It's interesting uh, this morning with the music. Thank you, ladies, and the different variations, uh, contemporary, the hymns, and then just singing without music. And so thank you. That diversity works well into the message today, actually, as part of it. So thanks for lining that up. I, I know you guys coordinated that with me and, and worked that out. We talked about it. I got to get out of Proverbs and get into Corinthians. Otherwise, we're going to be in big trouble because I know I didn't work on, on that for this week. But um, we are going to continue on in Corinthians. We're on chapter 14 this morning as uh, we've been working through that throughout uh, some time now um, of the different uh, variations of the chapters as we work through them. And again, Paul had spent a lot of time in the church in Corinth. Um, he had founded that church. He was the, the starting pastor. And with all that being said, it was a church filled with a lot of problems. It had a lot of challenges, right? If you've been with us, you know that they wrestled with um, people exalting one pastor over another. They had Apollos. They had they had uh, Cephas went through there as well, Peter and, and Paul certainly. And they would argue over, and they argued over who baptized who, and they got into all these struggles and disunity and fights within the church. That would never happen, right? That, that doesn't happen, right? Church believers should all be together and united. Well, been around long enough. Luke, you've been in enough churches, right? They don't always get along, right? We've, we've actually, we were talking about it yesterday, that we've been in some of those meetings where things don't go very well, and sides depart and get divisive. Um, we certainly see that in our culture today, right? Um, I mentioned to someone as I watched the election results, as I'm sure we all have, and we can't ignore that this morning, but we are probably as much a divided country as we have ever been. I mean, from the Senate to the Congress to our president, you know, everything's 50-50 almost uh, right down the split. And so we're divided on how we see things. And that can only eventually creep into the church if we're not careful. And so Paul was fighting that, and Paul was sending this correction to hold them together, to keep them united, say, hey, don't let these things divide us, right? But yet we've also talked about how there's diversity in the church, right? There are different things. There's different gifts. We're going to look at some of the gifts this morning, spiritual gifts. Yes, believe it or not, believers can fight over spiritual gifts, things that are really good, we can fight over. Again, I've been in enough churches as well. You know, we can fight over even spiritual matters like the order of service or what kind of music or uh, which version of the Bible we want to teach from. Uh, again, been around long enough to see all those things divided, but that's not what God intends. He wants us to be different but still be united. And we can do that, and it's possible. And Paul is striving for that. He also works through this as saying that we need something that helps us do that. Remember, and if you were with us last time, not last week because I wasn't here, but the week before, we talked about that big encompassing love, right? And again, not just our, our feeling love, but that unconditional love and what that means, right? That's, a, that's the glue that holds it all together, right? You can be diverse. You can be from different backgrounds. You can be different places in your walk. But if you have love... That's going to hold you together. You can work through a lot of things with love. And so we, we looked through that. And again, we said it's not just word, it's not mouth service, but it's action. Right? How important that it is to love with our actions. And we saw the do's and the don'ts. And if you don't know that, go back to Corinthians chapter 13 and kind of read down through that list. But love is a key ingredient. And 
as we've been talking about focusing, this morning we want to focus in on how do we love and how do we use the spiritual gifts in the body of Christ. Church was to make that work together, right? Because the goal, as the goal that Paul had for the Corinthian church was to mature, it should be the same goal for us here at Pointway, right? We don't want to stay as little kids. We want to continue to grow. And wherever we are, we need to be moving forward and moving towards that to become more and more like Christ. And so that exhortation doesn't change, and neither does this letter. Um, even though it's addressed to the Corinthian church, it could easily insert point way here as well because we want to continue to grow. And so Paul is going to address a problem, and he's going to teach through it. And so part of that problem and part of what we've been in is this problem of speaking in tongues. And where does that fit? And so this morning, let's take a look at that and see if we can't bring some clarity to that and helpful with that. 14 verse 1 it says, Follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. Indeed, no one understands him. He utters mysteries with his spirit. But everyone who prophesies speaks to men for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophecy. He who is prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless he interprets so that the church may be edified. There's a lot in this, in this opening here in, in 14, and he kind of jumps right in, but he's jumping off that springboard, like I said, off of love, right? If we have love, we can work through this issue. We can work through the problem that had arose in the Corinthian church. And so he starts off with this. He says, it's not wrong to eagerly desire spiritual gifts. It's not wrong to desire spiritual gifts. Again, I said, you can put point way in there. That's not a bad thing. Some people think it's a bad thing. Oh, you know, God gives it and he'll give it. when he... No, it's, we can desire those. We can ask for those. There's nothing wrong with that. I think it's, we probably need to as we mature. We need those gifts. We need them in our church body. They help us. And so it's not a bad thing to ask for them, to desire them. But what Paul's really getting here is what's the motivation? And that's going to be the key to all of this is what's the motivation for the gift? And he kind of puts things in order. He says this, they kind of picked the prophecy. Like I said, the church in Corinth, though, they were all desiring the gifts, but they kind of picked the speaking in tongues as the most important. They were all striving. That's, this is the one you get. This is the one that makes us special, the gift of tongues. So much so that it's causing major problems. And Paul's addressing that, and he says, hey, not tongues so much, but how about the gift of prophecy? Now, I got to do a little bit of clarification here. Prophecy is, yes, prophecy is foretelling the future, but prophecy also has other connotations with it. It's a broad term. And mostly in the church, it's, it's speaking words of encouragement, discernment, truth can all fall under that same category as prophecy. And we believe that Paul was using that here so much, not so much to speak about the future events, because that comes out later on, 
but more about what is helpful to the church at the moment. So speaking that truth, that encouragement, <clears throat> we would say that today, exhortation, it all kind of falls into that as well. And that's for edifying the church. You're going to see that over and over again. It's for building up the body, the body of Christ. Again, he's referencing back to the body of Christ being the hands and the feet and the body parts. We did a whole message on that not too long ago as well. So he's trying to put this in order, and he says, for anyone who speaks in tongue, important, right? does not speak to men, but to God. All right, that's important, right? It's Speaking in tongues is not for making a show. It's not for out of place or to say, I am more spiritual. Again, we probably know, some of us here know of some churches and some denominations that have taken that to the extreme. In fact, they would even go so far to say that if you don't speak in tongues, you're not saved. And again, that's wrong, and you can't back that up in Scripture. But they do. Again, that's how things have gotten out of order and out of character, and they've, they've put in too much onto it. Well, the church in Corinth was doing the same thing, and so Paul's bringing it back, and he's saying, hey, what's the purpose? What's the motivation behind it? Right? Not saying that you can't do it, but he's saying, what is the purpose? How is that helpful in the context of the church, the church as when it's gathering and when it's meeting? Right? It's between you and God, your heart. It's a heart issue. And it even says, there's no one understands him, right? But everyone who prophesies speaks to men. And I love what it says here. There's a purpose for the prophecy, right? It strengthens, it encourages, and it comforts. Would that be beneficial to a church? Come on, you guys know I don't ask rhetorical questions. Would that be beneficial? Would you like that? It's only gone a week, and what happened? I mean, I'm usually, I know some of the guys are out there hunting. They're trying to be quiet, but you guys are here. You can, you can speak up, really. It's, it's okay, right? I mean, who doesn't want to be strengthened and encouraged? And when we're struggling, who doesn't want to be comforted, right? Those are beneficial. Those are helpful. That's part of the church. If, if you were to, to look at that's one of the functions of a church should be able to do that, coming together to, to encourage this would be an encouraging time for you. At least I hope it is here at Point Way. But that's the purpose of it. And that's what Paul is saying. That's more important than just having this speaking in tongues between you and God where nobody understands. And we're going to get into that a little bit more. All right. Let's, and again, he goes back and forth with the, comparing the prophecy to the speaking in tongues. And again, the, the importance of edifying the church. Verse 6, I'm going to read on here a little bit more, and he's going to kind of flush this out a little bit better. He says, now, brothers, if I come to you and speak in tongues, what good will I be to you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or word of instruction? Even in the case of lifeless things that make sounds, such as a or harp, how will anyone know what tune is being played unless there's a distinction in the notes? And again, if the trumpet does not sound a clear call, who will get ready for the battle? So it is with you. Unless you speak intelligible words with your tongue, how will anyone know what you are saying? You will just be speaking into the air. Undoubtedly, there are all sorts of languages in the world, yet none of them is without meaning. 
If then I do not grasp the meaning of what someone is saying, I'm a foreigner to the speaker, and he is a foreigner to me. So it is with you. Since you are eager to have spiritual gifts, try to excel in the gifts that build up the church. It's a lot in there. It's a long paragraph, and again, as we're working through that, we've kind of laid some groundwork, but he's talking about what good is the tongue if it doesn't help, right? What good is it if it's not encouraging the body? He even uses the, 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 the tongue as in, in foreign languages, right? Now, just so you know, I did a little bit of study. I, I don't do a lot of this, but I actually looked up at the Greek, and I studied this out a little bit, and tongues goes back and forth between a known language and just a language um, but it always is known, and, but it also talks about languages that are known to angels. And again, we talked a little bit about that, and Paul interchanges them often, so he doesn't make a distinction. So it's not just a, a foreign language. It's not like Hungarian or another, another language that you might know or French, but it is known and it is organized, and it needs to be interpreted. And that's the basis for this when he keeps talking about tongues. And again, we have the example of the day on Pentecost, right? It's the same word. Paul interchanged that word. On that day, when Peter spoke, they all heard in their own language, right? They all understood, right? They didn't need interpretation. Evidently, though, there were some other things going on in the church in Corinth where people were speaking things and it wasn't making sense. It wasn't a known language and nobody knew what was going on. It was just, sounded like babbling. And so he, he gives us a couple of examples of what's going on here, and he even mentions about music, right? We have a lot of musicians here, right? We got, you know, I can see a bunch of you musicians here, and Ryan, I'm going to pick on you because I can, but Ryan, have you ever played without any notes in front of you, right? Yeah? How's that sound? Is it the same as, or... If you don't know it, yeah, right? We, we need notes. We need, there's a, a system to it. There's a, there's a reason. There's a, a, I think where you place your fingers and your, your, there's, there's reasons, right? I mean, I can't just jump up here and grab the guitar and start playing and, and you'd know what song I was playing, believe me. You, it would just be garbled. So you, music has, obviously, rhythm and words and notes. Um, it follows a path. It's not just a hodgepodge of things thrown together. Then he kind of shifts gear. He says, all right, so if you don't like that, because not all of us are musical, as you know, then he says, what about a battleground, a battle scene, right? You that love, love war, right? right? The, the Romans used instruments to signal the troops, right? Even in our American, you know, the cavalry, right? The, the bugle call, right? It's kind of the same idea. But soldiers knew what that sound meant, and that would tell them what to do. It would bring clarity to a chaotic situations, whether you were to charge or to retreat, you know, this group to bring up. Sometimes they would even play music just as they were marching. It would help them keep the beat and keep marching so they would keep the pace, right? But there was order to it. There was a reason for it, and it helped them. He said, but that's not what's going on here in the church. It's chaos. It's speaking and it's all over the place. And this, this type of tongues is disruptive. 
And so that's causing the problem. So he uses this, and he brings it back to all sorts of languages, right? And he's saying, what is the motivation behind it? What good is it, right? It's like if we're all talking at once, can we really clearly hear what's being said? No, right? It doesn't help us. It doesn't bring edification to the church body. It doesn't bring edification to God. It's just noise, no organization to it. There's no clear message in it. And so that's what Paul is referring to here, and he's trying to bring that back to let's get things in the right perspective, and what's your motivation for doing it? And again, he says, it's okay to want spiritual gifts. But he says, excel in the ones that build up the church. Right? I want God to give me a gift. I want him to give me a gift that's going to help encourage and build up the body of Christ. That's the real purpose. That's the gain. It's not about me. I don't want the gift for myself. I want the gift to help others. Again, there's all sorts of gifts and within that, and this is not even exhaustive in Corinthians. There's other places in Scripture, but there are lots of gifts that can help the church body. Back to the issue at hand here in verse 13. He says, for this reason, anyone who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret what he says. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my mind. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my mind. If you are praising God with your spirit, how can one who finds himself among you who do not understand, say amen to your thanksgiving, since he does not know what you are saying. You may be giving thanks well enough, but the other man is not edified. I thank God that I speak in tongue some more than all of you, but in the church, I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct than 10,000 words in a tongue. This is one of those, an ouch to them, right? Again, remember I told you, this church was obtaining, looking for the gift of tongues. And they're, they're excited. Hey, we've got this, Paul. We're, we're growing. We're spiritual. We're, we're speaking in tongues. And Paul's saying, that's not the most important thing. He's kind of coming down hard on them because he needs to make that correction. Hey, you're growing. He's saying, what benefit is it, though? You know, you're, yeah, you, you say you're growing, but you're... You're not helping your brothers and sisters in Christ. You're not being united in this. You're not coming together. It's just confusion. It says, you know, said amen. You, Linda, you, you set me up with that amen, right? How can I even amen something if I don't even know what you're saying? Right? It's hard. And PJ and I were blessed. We were been able to travel a little bit in, in Europe, and we would go into other churches and Again, our language, you know, especially if we were traveling uh, over a weekend or something, and you hear the, the language, you hear their praise, and you know that something good's going on, but we have no idea. They could have just been announcing that meal was going to be, be something special, or they could have been you know, praising it. We don't, we don't know. You don't know the language, right? You feel like an outsider. And Paul's saying that's what you're doing here. You're creating within the body of Christ outsiders. You're not including them. They can't join you fully because they can't understand what you're saying. 
right? There's no one there to interpret it. It's just noise in the ears. Now, in case, and Paul can speak from a, a point of experience here as well. Paul lets him know that. He says, hey, not, you're not the only one that can speak in tongues. I myself have spoken in tongues, he says, right? He says, I, I've spoken many times. But yet, here's where he puts it into place. He says, even if I could speak 10,000 words, it would be better that I just speak five that you would understand. Catch the importance there. He's saying, it's better for me to give you words of instruction that you can understand, that you can be edified, that you can join in on, than me to have this 10,000 words and, and be focused on spiritual, making me look like I'm more spiritual because I speak in tongues all the time. And again, we know, sadly, there are churches that have misused this gift and have gone astray with it. They've made it all about one gift over another. And Paul's trying to say, hey, let's get back to our foundation. In fact, this next verse, he really kind of calls them out. And he says, brothers, stop thinking like children in regard to evil be yeah, let me read this back that up. Brothers, stop thinking like children in regard to evil. Be infants, but in your thinking, be adults. Right? He's telling them you need to grow up. Remember, the goal is of the church body is to continue to grow, to be more and more like Christ, to mature. About yourselves, but it's time to grow up, to mature. goes back to the argument a little bit here in verse 21. He says, In the law it is written, Though men of strange tongues and through the lips of foreigners, I will speak to these people. But even then, they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Tongues then are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers. Prophecy, however, is for believers, not for unbelievers. So if the whole church comes together and everyone speaks in tongues and some who do not understand or some unbelievers come in, will they not say that you are out of your mind? I'm going to stop right there for a minute. Again, he pulls in Old Testament here. He pulls in Isaiah 28 for a purpose here, right? He's bringing in, he's hearkening in those Jewish believers among them, Right? Remember I told you the Jews like to see a sign that helped with them, a sign of anything, whether it was speaking in tongues, a miracle, prophecy that was fulfilled. They needed those signs because that gave authority. That showed that this was truly from God. And so I believe that Paul inserts this in here to, to kind of hearken them up. And most likely in the Corinth church, they had a blend, right? And so this would hearken to those Jews and they're like, oh yeah, yeah, we, we like those signs and and now we're, in some ways, they were producing the signs for themselves, which was totally the wrong motivation. And then the reminder here in 22 says the tongues are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers. However, it is for believers, it's not for unbelievers. So the whole church comes together and everyone speaks in tongues, some who do not understand, right? So you got a couple of different people. Right? And we have that in our churches. Right? We have believers, and we also have people that come into our churches who are not believers. And so they're watching us. They're trying to figure out, 
what it is, how are we worshiping? What are we doing? The way we worship. And so to an unbeliever, this would look chaotic. This was going on. This would look unorganized. This would look like the rest of the world. In fact, it would probably look a lot like the pagan culture that was in the, the area where they would whip themselves up into a frenzy and they would just be all emotionally driven. And they would speak in different tongues. They would gibberish and rant and rave and just work themselves up into a frenzy. So an unbeliever would say, well, what's the difference? Right? What's the difference? You're a church, but hey, they do that down the street. You're just the same thing. Right? It would not be testifying to God. It would not be edifying to God. Or if you had a little understanding, but not fully understood what was going on, right? He said, they would be out of your mind. We would say, it would look like you were crazy, right? A bunch of crazy people. I've heard that said of, of people that don't go to church. They say, oh, there's a bunch of crazy people that go there. And um, as an unbeliever, you can see why they, they get that somewhere. But let's not give them ammo to say that. And that's what Paul is saying here, Right? We don't have to give them that, that ammo that we're out of control, we're just emotionally fed, we're just speaking whatever, we're glorifying ourselves. He carries that on one step further. He says, but if an unbeliever or someone who does not understand comes in while everybody is prophesying, he will be convinced by all that is that he is a sinner and will be judged by all, and the secrets of his heart will be laid bare. So he will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. See the importance here? See the change? Right? If you have an unbeliever coming in, or someone with little understanding, someone that, that maybe is on the edge, they come in, and they hear the truth, and their heart is opened up and laid bare. Right? They're going to come to Christ. That should be the goal of all of us as church, right? We should be pointing people to Christ. Think about it before you were saved, right? And then when you came to that moment, when you came to that realization that you're a sinner and you needed a Savior, right? Wasn't your heart laid bare? I know we, don't, we may not use that phrase, but that's really what happened, right? We, we realized how desperate we were and how much that we really did need a Savior. Paul's saying that's what we need to communicate to the outside world. Not how spiritual we are, not how, no, what we can do for ourselves or all the, the fluff, but by showing Christ that we are in just as much need as that person coming in of a Savior. We're just like them. We were just there. But now Christ has come to our heart and we accepted what he did in payment for our sins. We're going to celebrate that in a little bit here with communion. <clears throat> but that should be the goal, right? Again, that edifies the body, that encourages, right? We, we don't see it enough. We don't see enough people coming to Christ, and again, we need to get better at that, get better at sharing, get better at being that example, being different. I would also challenge us this morning that we have a great opportunity to do that, especially right now, Right? especially right now, where things are divided, things are out of control in our country here, in our context around us. You can fit in, whether it's a pandemic, the elections, 
season, time of year, whatever it is, we get an opportunity to show Christ in that. We get a chance to show that he is in control irregardless of what's going on around us. We can speak truth into those things. Sometimes when there's the most chaos, is the most opportunity that we have. Because I know God's saying, how are you so peaceful in this? Because I have Christ. Because I know God's in control. I know who has the victory. We sung that song, right? We know how this turns out in the end. So, that being said this morning, I'm going to stop right there because uh, there's more in this chapter and we'll get into it a little bit more next week, but a couple of questions I want to ask you. Are you focusing on your gift to edify the church? How are you using the gift that God's given you? You may say, well, I'm not quite sure, Pastor. I'm not sure what my, my gift is right now, or I think I used to have this gift, and okay, I'll give you that. But then are you asking Christ for it? Remember, I told you, Paul didn't condemn seeking after the gifts. Didn't even condemn seeking after tongues. He says, but seek after the ones that edify the church. So even this morning, we need to ask that question. What's my motivation? Am I seeking after the gift that God's given me? And if I am, am I using that gift? It's kind of the follow-up question to that. Again, the gifts aren't wrong. They're needed. Help me, please. Here at Pointway, just as they did in the church in Corinth. So, bow with me, please. Gracious Heavenly Father, as we admit that we need you more and more each day, Lord, I also pray against the enemy that would take even something that you give as a gift and use it to divide us. I pray against that, Lord, that you would just continue to protect us. You continue to keep us united here. Lord, I also pray that our love would continue to grow. That our love for our brothers and sisters in Christ would continue to mature and that we would continue to strive to be more and more like you. Lord, I also pray that for the lost, that they would see us and that they would see you. And Lord, just as was mentioned in the passage, that they would come to that moment where their heart is laid bare and that they know they need you. And that we would see more and more people come to you as Lord and Savior. Help us to be bold in that. Help us to be a good testimony to that of the work that you did in our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask a couple of guys to come up and help me serve this morning. may or may not know, I'm struggling a little bit with a cold and allergies, so I'm going to stay a little bit away from the, the elements this morning and wear my mask a little bit more to keep that protected. Um, but these gentlemen have offered to come and help serve this morning, so... They're going to do that, but as Scripture instructs us, and here at Pointway, this is an open communion table, and so we want to invite you to partake with us, um, but there's a manner in which we do it. Uh, there's an order in which we do it, and uh, Scripture says 
Therefore, who eats of the bread or drinks from the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of drinking against the body and the blood of the Lord. Says a man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread or drinks from the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. And so, one of the things that we like to do here at Point Way is just right where you're sitting, just between you and God, just close your eyes, bow your head, and just give you a moment to talk to God and to make sure that you're in the right spot and that you recognize what we're about to do. Gracious Heavenly Father, we confess to you, Lord, that we come often unworthy, and Lord, we just ask for forgiveness, Lord, and you know each of us where we're at with you this morning, and I just ask that you would just continue to do that work on our hearts, Lord, and you continue to mold us and shape us to be more and more like you. Lord, we are thankful that you died on the cross for our sins. We want to recognize that here this morning, Lord, that the bread is your broken body, which was for us, Lord, that hung on that cross. We also want to thank you for the blood that was spilled as a covering for our sins, as a payment that you required from the perfect sacrifice. And Lord, we thank you for those this morning. And as we take time out to recognize that, and to praise you and thank you for what you did on our behalf. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 